The third lesson is from Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I think I've spoken of before to a few of you, um, or at least you know the sentiment yourself from experiencing yourself. Parents, and especially grandparents, have a magical superpower when it comes to children. They have the ability to make toys disappear. Now surely it's not to make them vanish as if they become immaterial or invisible to the eye like our Lord did to the two disciples after the walk to Emmaus, no. They have the ability to make the toys disappear by bringing out new gifts and giving the children new toys. What last year was the center of attention and the center of a child's desire vanishes into thin air as far as the child is concerned when the parents or grandparents give the new present for the toys this year, whether it be for the birthday, Christmas, or what have you. I want you to picture this superpower, this ability to make something wonderful and good disappear, but not with things that are bought from, well, Toys R Us or what used to be, I don't know what it's called now or if it even exists, but rather I want you to picture this happening in the Garden of Eden. You had man and woman there in our prime, pristine state with magnificent, better than toys, but an existence a place of peace, joy, prosperity, the word want, toil, trouble, hardsome, death, all of these things, not even in existence. There was no problem for them. They had not only no problems, but all of their material needs provided for, and what's the best thing of all? They had pure, perfect, and pristine fellowship with the God who made them. There was never any doubt, never uncertainty for them, only pure, unadulterated joy in the creation where God had placed them. That is what Eve has and her husband with her. But of course, she develops a problem. All of that becomes invisible to her when the first false preacher in the world, the devil taking on the form of a serpent, serpent comes and preaches to her that she is not content. God is withholding from her, not giving her all that she could have to make her happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And so the wonderful gifts that she had, that God had placed right in front of her, that God had placed her in, become invisible to her. She can't see them. All she can see is the gift, in quotes, right in front of her, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree 
that she and her husband were given not to eat from. Of course, we know how it plays out, and we know what she does. We also know that Eve's problem that she had in that moment when she listened to the serpent and saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye and desired to make one wise, that she was malcontent. Like we are in our lives so often and in so many occasions, malcontent with what we have, she was in that moment. But for her, it took the devil's preaching. For us, that's just part of our fallen nature, which we inherited from her and her husband. It is easy for us to take the things that God has given us, our possessions, our physical, worldly possessions, for granted. Is it not so? I make fun of children at the beginning of the sermon, but really adults are just kind of better at hiding it. We know how to be polite in the moment, not to show that we are so easily distracted by the next newer, better, or greater thing as it comes along. Before we have it, sometimes these things, it seems like we just can't live without it. Or at least we won't be happy or have that itch truly scratched until it is in our possession. But again, like children, once we get it, quickly the new car smell fades away and it just becomes the smell of the car that I have until next year or next however many years it is for you, I'm not sure. It just sort of becomes old hat and then the other new car that you don't have, well, that's the one that you need or house or boat or whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Now, I have a shame that I have whenever I go through old toys. I did a pretty good job of keeping a lot of the better ones in hopes that one day, as I now do, would have a family. I could give them to my children and sure enough, we are piecemealing some of my old toys and my wife's out to the children. But I remember sorting through these, especially back when we lived in New Jersey, and I would come across a toy, and I would, in the moment, by myself blush, because I remember what an absolute snot I acted like when I unwrapped it on those Christmases or birthdays years and years ago. I remember the, I must have this. If you only get me that Lego set, that pirate ship, that car, whatever it was, then I will be content. And of course, the next year, I might not have even gotten that the year before, as far as I was concerned, looking forward only to the next gifts. You see, there is a lesson to be learned, and all of us understand this, a lesson to be learned early at age, if we only had ears then to hear. The possessions are real and they are good, but they are not all we need. The parable, the third lesson tonight from the gospel lesson, Parable of Barnes, Barnes is, it's a Duncan cold water for Americans, I think. Those of us that live, even in this COVID age, still, yes, still, in a time of prosperity, in a time of many physical comforts. We are, by and large, compared to previous generations, still living the American dream. This man certainly was. He had all of these gains, bumper crop year, he had a better crop than last year, and the price of corn and soybeans was just going through the roof for him, or whatever the grain was. He was now about to enjoy the fruit of his labor. By golly, he worked hard, and he deserved to have the bumper crop, and why shouldn't he tear down his old barns and build bigger ones to replace them to store it all? But worse than forgetting the gift that he had, like the children do or we do with gifts that are given, 
The gift that he had, the crop was taken away from him, or rather he from it. All that he had worked for, all that he had labored for, all that he had hoped for, in an instant, God said, we'll be gone. Not here anymore. His possessions distributed at the reading of his will, and his life obliterated, separated from all of those things. We all know the phrase, you don't know what you have until it's gone, and yeah, it's cliche, but it is certainly true, isn't it? Whenever we see things, when we have them and possess them in front of them, us, they are, well, just sort of assumed, right? It becomes ever so easy, the longer that you have something, to take it for granted and just think, well, this is always kind of how it either has been or will be, but it's here and it's mine and you worry about other things. But its true value to us becomes so felt when that thing is taken away from us, when it is broken. The barn man, as I like to call him, he worshipped his possessions. That's what Jesus is teaching in the parable. And in doing this, and keeping his eyes so focused on the grain and the worldly comfort that that grain would buy for him, he lost perspective he, lost, he got blurry vision when looking at life's greatest physical blessing, his life itself, along with that life, life's finitude and its inability, things in that life with it, to finally sustain or to fulfill him and to keep him in security, safety, and joy. Finally, what can do that that has a natural end? What the man had was really just greed and the security that the greed he thought would bring to him. What he needed was to be content, content with what he had been given, and moreover, what he needed was an appreciation for the thing that truly mattered, the God that gave him his life, the God he was made to be with forever. And so from this parable, I want to give you this Thanksgiving encouragement that you Tomorrow and tonight, take stock of the year that you've had. Take stock of your life and the things that God has indeed blessed you with. Look at your life the same way that you would have said to Eve in the garden if you could have gone back and been there. Stop, woman, look around. Look at what God has given you. What you have now is enough. Enough to complete you, enough to provide for you, enough to fulfill you. You have God get that perspective on your life so that you cease at least a little bit better as much as we Lutherans can to keep chasing the next thing, to keep looking forward to what we don't have or have not yet been given. Indeed, God gives us our daily bread in many measures, but he does give it. And most importantly, he has given us the bread of life, his son, Jesus Christ. So tomorrow, say a prayer of thanksgiving with your family to that effect. Thank him for what he has given you and pray that he would help you to live a life that shows gratitude and most of all, trust in him, the giver of such gifts and the good and perfect gift, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.